0: Hi everyone, welcome to Running with Mushrooms. I'm Jesse Orgensen and I'm on a mushroom tour exploring the industry and culture of mushrooms around the world. As part of my research, I'm interviewing people working with mushrooms or connected to fungi in one way or another. This interview takes place at the All Things Fungi Festival of 2023 in the English countryside of West Sussex. All Things Fungi is a festival where mushroom lovers like me come together to attend workshops, lectures, and forays. And it's a great place to meet other mycophiles and geek out together about mushrooms in this really idyllic setting. Today's guest is Marius Levy of the Fungi Foundation. He's the campaign lead for their 3Fs initiative. We went walking in the woods looking for a quiet interview spot and found a lovely picnic table and chairs overlooking the valley. By the way... In his intro, Marios mentions Christian. Here, he's referring to his colleague, Christian Moreno-Tormo, who's part of Fungi Foundation's team who runs the expeditions and their elders program. Also, at some point, we mentioned the IUCN, which is the International Union for Conservation of Nature. Are we good to go? Yeah. Thank you. Marios, thank you so much for coming to chat with us. We are here at All Things Fungi Festival, Marius is visiting just for the day, so I'm glad we've caught you. Thanks. Pleasure to be here. (laughs) Before you whiz off back to the airports and back to Greece, I'll let you introduce yourself and your role at Fungi Foundation. Who are you?
1: Yeah, so I'm Marius. Two and a half years ago, I started as a volunteer doing little tech-related things, like helping out with the website, some social media stuff, helping Christian with some database stuff. I'm mostly focused right now under the conservation program, on an initiative we're doing called the Fauna Flora Funga Initiative.
0: Could you give me a quick wrap-up of all the different things that Fungi Foundation does? You know, who is the organization? What is it all about?
1: Yeah, so Fungi Foundation has been around for just over 10 years now. It started in Chile from our executive director and founder, Juliana Forci. It's pretty much an NGO that's for the conservation of fungi and the people who depend on them. Under that, because of kind of how vague it is in a good way, because it's an entire kingdom. There's quite a few programs underneath. We're trying to make curriculums for fungi, for schools, for kids to learn. So that's a long-term process, of course. Then we have elders programs, which is to see like ancestral relationships between fungi and indigenous populations or just ancient uses. Then we have the conservation program, which is what I'm doing. And under the conservation program, we have quite a few little stuff going on, like web tools that we're doing, applications. Fauna Flora Fund Initiative is one of them. And some other campaigns, like we have one which is like Don't Burn the Forest for Morkella, for morels, which was a thing to tell people not to burn forests in expectation of getting mushrooms. That falls under conservation. And the final one is Expeditions, where we do some real field work, potentially discovering new species and rediscovering lost ones.
0: It's great that you're covering such a range of topic areas within the education and conservation and documentation of the diversity of not only fungi, but the human-fungi relationships. Yeah. Today, Marios, I think, yeah, let's focus on flora-fauna fungi. Could you tell us about this campaign that you're running?
1: To understand the campaign, we have to know a little bit of the history. So the word fungi itself is not yet, which is what one of the goals, it's not yet a recognized word in the masses. Like even if you type in fungi on Google, it's going to autocorrect. Did you mean fungi? It's just not in any major dictionaries yet. And so what it is, is just another word for the equivalent of flora and fauna for the fungi kingdom. So fungi really is, the definition of it is just the fungal diversity of a given area or at a given time. Just how fauna and flora is used for animals and plants, fungi for fungi. This word existed. There's been some research papers on it, for instance, spanning about 20 years ago, where it was just like some, mycologist David Hawksworth, he mentioned it as a valid term for this. And then it's also been used in some Nordic countries, like there is Funga Nordica. It's a book about the funga of Scandinavia. But in 2018, a paper written by four mycologists, including our executive director, Julian Forsey, which pretty much delimits the term funga. So it, it goes, it went over through the terminologies, how it's been used, why it should be used as this valid new term. And it's a pressing need of why we need this third F in conservation topics, because It's too vague. Everyone in conservation, even mycologists, kind of arguing what should we use? Should it be mycobiota, Should it be this? Should it be the mycoflora? And so funga was kind of, in this paper, saying this is the term. One reason for that is because it's kind of, because it's rooted in Latin, fauna flora, it's the same in multiple languages. So it's fauna flora in Spanish and Italian and French, Turkish, fauna flora is just how it's said. So by putting funga, it could also just be suddenly into many different languages. Uh, versus mycobiota could be spelled differently or mycoflora confuses people, you know? And it also sounds catchy, you know? Fauna flora funga, three Fs is better than FFM or <laughs> something <Yeah>. like that. <laughs>
0: Definitely.
1: <laughs> so yeah, and the, so from that proposal 2018, the Fauna flora fungi initiative came out, which is pretty much putting that proposal on paper into action. So this initiative is a collaboration between Fungi Foundation and NYU School of Law and Merlin Sheldrake, um, which is biologist and author of Entangled Life. And pretty much what it is, the real end goal is to get fungi included in public policy, agriculture frameworks, and just into legislations. That's the end goal of the fauna flora fungi, but there's many angles of how we get there.
0: There's so many angles, as you say, to how, how to get there. And encouraging the world to adopt Funga into flora, fauna, Funga. I can imagine it's not a, it, you know, it's no small project. No, <laughs> it's not. Um, <laughs> how, how did we get from fungi to fungi? Mm. Um, and because I, as far as I know, was, was it only in the 1960s or something that um, biologists even recognized the need for fungi to be classified as their own kingdom? Yeah. Is that right?
1: Yeah. And the distinction is pretty recent to the fact that they're not plants or flora. Mm. So... First of all, the people need to know that there is a difference between these three kingdoms. Then you need to realize why that's important. And then we could get to the point of conserving them, putting in legislation. So there's this really major effort, which is why we focus so much on also just the promotion of them, regardless of how, just social media, fun posts and just to get the word out there. Wait, there's this fungi. Why do I keep hearing fungi? Let me look into it more, hopefully like seeding or sporing people's minds into realizing this distinction. But yeah, there's many angles and education is one of them. What I'm kind of focusing on and the way we're going is both a bottom-up approach and top-down. Um, top-down is mainly through like the network that Juliana has built over the years uh, where we could potentially go directly to decision makers and policy makers um, or at least someone close enough there that we could tell them why it's important for them to make it a quicker change. But also bottom-up which is kind of reaching out to institutions, organizations, universities, and government agencies that I find, at least on their website, in a prominent place that they say fauna flora, and then they group mushrooms under there, or fungi, or anything. And I kind of reach out to them directly and say, hey, can you get up to date? (laughs) Pretty much, for lack of a better term. But there's a couple organizations. After the Fauna Flora Funga Initiative first started, IUCN, was the first major organization, IUCN and Rewild, which is Leonardo DiCaprio's foundation. So those were the first two major adopters, and then that was a big news article that set a precedent. And so we could show other organizations, look, they are doing it. They're calling for, the IUCN is calling for this term to be used, mycologically inclusive language in general. Not just fungi, but also if you're talking about animals and plants, you should also use fungi. And so since that happened, a couple organizations have changed it, like the government of Iceland, the environmental minister of Iceland has changed it recently on their site, the Environmental Agency of Tasmania in Australia, Cyprus. And it's like a small change at first, few, just adding that word funga, but it it really is to unlock like funding for mycology. And I'm saying this because a lot of people ask me, okay, what's just a word going to do? Uh, just a word change makes a major difference. Like Chile was the first and I think only country that has fungi in its legislation. And that means that they need to assess fungi. Whenever they're assessing the plant and animal diversity of a region before potential construction or potential something that's gonna impact the environment, now they have to include fungi by putting that third F. So it's the same thing we wanna do for other countries, ideally, globally.
0: I think you're right, words are incredibly important because they also affect the way society understands and perceives things. Can you tell me a little bit more about mycologically inclusive language? what does that mean, and why is it important?
1: Yeah yeah as you said like language language really does create reality by having these new words for fungi we could realize that it's actually an important thing to take care of like for instance, the easiest one is that flora and fauna didn't have a proper easily identifiable third uh, version but I realized that there's actually a couple of words that are still flora related, but we use for fungi, for instance, the fruiting body, you know, it's fruiting or like blossomings or some, something like that, which there is just no term that we can use equivalent for it. And uh, that's quite a few reasons, like language loss and the way we speak is very related with uh, biodiversity in a way, like there's many articles about that, like how indigenous people, certain indigenous tribes have way more words for their local environment than English can ever try to have.
0: How much do you think people generally know about fungi? And I know that's incredibly broad as a question. So perhaps you could tell us through your experience of maybe the work you do in Chile versus where you're from in Greece or somewhere else that makes sense to you.
1: It's a very, very contextual question where depending on the country, which is there's more mycophilic countries, mycophobic, for instance, England and many of these Western Anglo countries tend to be more mycophobic in general, you know. From a young age, it's just poisonous and dangerous, all that stuff. Um, But then you see mycophilic countries, which is a lot of Scandinavian countries and Eastern European countries, which have way more inclination to know more about them. And the countries that are more mycophilic, I see, have more laws and regulations about them. That would be like, for instance, France. I have friends who, when I say mushrooms, oh, they're like, let's go foraging. They just, they've been with their parents and they just know. Other ones are just completely terrified of it, even though I show them, look, there's these foolproof forest species, nothing's going to happen. I show all these things and just like this really deeply rooted, like, fear and phobia of it. Even within Greece, where I am, which is a more dry area, it's in the Cycladic island group, there's not a ton of mushrooms, especially not in summer, there's almost none. It's not a very common thing, but if you go towards the northern or central Greece, uh, there's like the mushroom capital of Greece called Grevena, and there, I mean, if you go to the city, you see mushroom murals all over the place. You see mushroom restaurants, you see parks about mushrooms and huge foraging culture there. So just between a couple hours' drive away, really, in a, in a ferry, big differences.
0: I think it's really interesting that your campaign, as you said, is looking at this issue from a top-down and a bottom-up perspective. How have you found the response to including the word fungi? Which means not only including the word, but, you know, affecting policy and and having a, a real impact on environments. How has the response been from policymakers in general? And is there a particular region or area where it's been very easy or or very kind of where they've been particularly receptive to this idea? Yeah. Um, I think that's kind of also
1: a spectrum. A lot of the times it's almost just a technicality change, like on, on their website, or just something really simple and like hey, can you change this? And I send them some links, and this is why you should do it, blah, blah, blah. And usually within a couple outreach attempts, they'll change it. They're like, okay, we don't really have much to lose, you know, which sets the weight, so everything is a little win. But when you're actually coming into policy in general and the actual changing of it, it's just so complex that a lot of times it's like, why do they matter? Like why? And some people say, why fungi? Why not You know, bacteria? Why all that stuff? It is definitely more challenging, but I have found, at least in, in South America, there's quite a bit of push for it, because it's, it's just more green and more biodiverse there, and especially Juliana has many contacts down there, and so she knows who to reach out to, and they're very open to it. There's a lot of work being done in Brazil. There's Mind Funga, one of the guys in Brazil, unfortunately his name escapes me now, but he was one of the writers of the paper delimiting the term.
0: Okay, yeah. okay. You mentioned Chile. Could you just paint a quick picture of how Chile is quite unique in its legal commitments to fungi?
1: About 10 years ago, Chile became the first country, and I think still the only country to include fungi, like distinctly fungi, in their legislation. First, to include fungi in the red lists of Chile, which had animals and plants, but now that law also said, and fungi, and also for these environmental impact assessments that they do now fungi have to also be analyzed. The, the, the fungi of that region have to be
0: taken into consideration mm-hmm. as
1: well. That's a good, great precedent because many of these countries, many modern countries like Scotland, England, I mean, many, many countries, especially European countries, have these imp- environmental impact assessments in place. All of them say animals and plants or biodiversity in general. And then when you look at their definition of biodiversity, it says animals and plants, or it might say animals, plants and microorganisms. That's still not where we're trying to go for. Okay, it's a little tiny bit, it's like implied, but fungi and fungi are still macroorganisms, most many of them, not most of them. Whatever mushroom you can see, it tends to be a macroorganism. So there's a lot of room there to just add that word in all these multiple countries. Kind of like a shotgun approach, kind of.
0: Absolutely. And you mentioned earlier that there's been a little bit of pushback to this where, from people asking questions like, why fungi? Why not bacteria? I don't know if this is controversial, so let me know if it is and if we should exclude it from the conversation. No. But <laughs> Something that needs
1: to be talked about.
0: <laughs> but yeah, um, why, why fungi? Why? I'm going to I'm gonna go there. I'm going to ask okay. the question. Why fungi and why not bacteria?
1: I'll just quote what Juliana always says, which I really like this quote because I was thinking of that um, too. And Juliana, I really look up to her because she just really been in this space for so much for so long that she knows so much so she just says yeah by all means do bacteria too bacteria foundation we'll support you but we're doing fungi foundation so you could do protozoa fffp whatever you want but we're focused mostly on fungi everything is just as important
0: so my take on that is there's no exclusivity here no. Being supporting fungi doesn't mean you exclude bacteria. No, no, no. <laughs> Marius, we were talking about policymakers and how they've been receptive to this. Are there any organisations you've come across that have been quite uh, resistant to the third F?
1: Yeah, there are a couple that are resistant, and I think it's because it's they've been around for so long that when they use flora and fauna in their name and the stuff that they do, this is my theory, I'm just saying my thoughts, but they've been around for like decades and decades, where now we're coming here relatively fresh, and public consciousness is not fully caught up with fungi, so when we're coming here and saying, hey, now start using fungi, it's almost like an order, they're like, no, like," and they send us clauses, but look, we talk about biodiversity, and look, if you really look into article four, four, clause three, word number six, we also mentioned fungi, like some really small thing. Uh, and we're just trying to make it more prominent. And then there tends to be like almost excuses or everything is possible. If they cared about fungi enough, they could do it. But there is resistance from major organizations, even if they're not prominently putting fungi, there's still room to do mycologically inclusive campaigns within them. But at that point, I can't put a blame on them. It just it comes down to capacity, lack of capacity. There's so few mycologists compared to botanists and biologists. I'm sure if there were more mycologists, there would be more campaigns about fungi. That's also what we're trying to do. Everything, yeah. education, is to get more mycologists to do this. So network.
0: So to play that back, a lot of what would help is more mycologists. Mm spreading more information and being able to facilitate yeah. those sorts of organizations and how to change their policies how to be more mycologically inclusive is yeah. that right yeah that and more
1: yeah, mycologists for more research purposes for from multiple domains and that starts with also education in the secondary like university there's just so few uh universities that make a mycology bachelor like a major as i'm speaking for the u.s because um, i know that domain pretty good but there's just a handful of people who are majoring in mycology, so that needs to be a, a bigger thing, and showing why it's important to do that.
0: Yeah, yeah. A big part of what I, I'd love to do with running with mushrooms is to also encourage anyone who's not currently working with mushrooms to be inspired to want to work with mushrooms, yeah. to show them how cool they are and how fun they can be. And I'd love your perspective on that. What's it like earning a living and working with mushrooms?
1: Mm-hmm. So first of all, like, like you said, these, these these types of podcasts and all these are just so important um, to spread the word in general. I would say because of how few mycologists there are and how it's still this new thing, I mean, this big trend, I hope it's not going to be trended here to stay, but how it's such a big boom right now that there's still f- too few, in my experience, there's too few other domains of knowledge in here. So I would say I'm speaking to people who are not even in nature related right now, which is my background because I came in from mechanical engineering. I came in from 3D printing industry and 3D modeling and very, very different. And so when I came in to the fungi world, which was just through foraging and YouTube, I just started doing some 3D modeling of fungi. I made like a little, some art project related with 3D printing and fungi. And those got, those kind of blew up on social media. They got like 100,000, 200,000 views or something on Reddit and LinkedIn and all that stuff. And it just, such low-hanging fruit right now. I feel like anyone who comes in from a completely different discipline, uh, it could be dancing, it could be astronomy, I swear, mushrooms have something related with so many different majors and so many different things that you could really carve out a really good niche um, regardless of what you do. So try to find an intersection and I think that's, there's just so much innovation to be had in the fungi world. Mycologists are important also, like I said, but coming in from something way different I think will spur the biggest amount of innovation. and.
0: Yeah, yeah. You kind of answered this, but I, I'm, I'm going to ask it anyway. How did you get into this? <laughs> you know, yeah. why why mushrooms? You mentioned foraging and you were building some 3D models of yeah. mushrooms, which sounds really cool. I'm going to go check those out. But why mushrooms?
1: I should have said this in the beginning of the podcast interview, but uh, yeah, I'm not a mycologist. I'm not, I've never studied public policy. I've never done... Biology courses, but I did start about 11 years ago, uh, when I was 14. I just on my walk to school in high school, it was just a ton of mushrooms on the walk to school. Which this was in Maryland, and in Maryland in fall, there's such a diversity of mushrooms that just on the walk on the trees on the ground, I just kept seeing these new things that clearly were different than plants in some way. And I just wanted to know what they were, and I got little field guides, and then I joined the Mycological Association of Washington D.C., and at that point which was like 2013, the demographic was so different. Like I was 14 or 15 years old, but the next youngest person was probably 60 years old. It was a huge gap. It just looked so much different than what it is now. Uh, Where now if you go to the same uh, association or these mycological associations tend to be people in their 20s and 30s. It just seems to be a much younger population interested in it right now. And so, yeah, I started with that foraging. And I, even my mechanical engineer senior year capstone project was about mushrooms. It was this mushroom incubation locker you just you set the species and it'll it'll knows what humidity and what temperature to set it at that's what i was saying no matter what i do even through linguistic something i always try to get mushrooms involved like come here you <laughs> Dude. Can,
0: can i can i have a mushroom incubation locker please because when i try and grow mushrooms they usually fail <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's fascinating okay so you've so you've come from this mechanical engineering background into mushrooms And what's it like working with mushrooms now?
1: It's great. Like I'm learning something every day and I'm really applying stuff that I learned from mechanical engineering and from software. But there's just so many, like I said, there's just so many ways that other disciplines could help with. But right now, especially in the conservation area, it's really interesting because of how new it is. There's so few people doing it. So there's just a lot of room for low hanging fruit in the beginning, which I like, you know, least effort for most impact is always good. So, yeah, like, like even just organizations which don't include fungi, that's just tons and tons. So I have my work cut out for me. Like, and I try to use automation tools and different ways of making applications and indexing to try to scale it up as fast as I can. Uh, like I said before, like a kind of a shotgun approach into messaging as many organizations. And then the ones that are interested, then I do a little bit more custom work with them. And then finally until there's some change happening. But I just know the industry, let's say, quote-unquote, industry, just through the Fungi Foundation. I never worked for any private company. I never made money or anything from selling mushrooms. So yeah, yeah. from the conservation perspective, it's, it's, it's good because you know like it could do some real work in a good way.
0: I would love to learn a little bit more about the campaign and, and how you run it. Yeah. So you mentioned the shotgun approach. Mm-hmm. You've mentioned you're approaching policymakers top-down and you're approaching organizations from a bottom-up perspective. Mm. Can you tell me a little bit more about how do you go about it?
1: Within the Fauna Flora Fung initiative, within the bottom-up approach, there's a couple little things that I'm doing. And one of them, the biggest part of that is scoping, like you said, scoping out what organization, what museum, which is also outreach, what institution is needed to have outreach for, you know. Uh, Because there's many cases of Fauna Flora that actually don't need the third F. For instance, if It keeps coming up in different organizational names. Of course, I'm not going to keep messaging the same thing. It's just, you know, I do it multiple different ways. But for instance, if we're talking about municipalities or government agencies, for instance, environmental agencies of certain countries, I, you know, I Google that country and then I use advanced search to search for websites that are in the domain of that country, like italy.it. And then I put in parentheses fauna, flora. I, I change it up every time to see it as I go, but I try to see where it's prominently displayed on their website. You know, I won't bother if it's just a small part of a small mm-hmm. caption on an image, you know, but if it's a big menu item or homepage or some documents that they're presenting, I will reach out to them in different ways. Uh, that's one thing, and museums are a different one, where I reach out to individual museums if they're interested in doing some fungi exhibitions, or if they already have exhibitions that might include fungi, Then mention that term and mention that they're just change your documentation a little bit more like a little bit technical technicality. And through museums, each thing has its own thing. Government institutions, I approach it differently. Museums, I might message in a different way. Oh, and I really I try to make it as easy as possible. Like my actual email or outreach for them is as easy as possible, which is I find where it's needed and I kind of just screenshot the page and I circle an empty space, saying well. Right here, right. Screenshot in the middle of the email and just a couple, couple sentences of what I'm asking for. Maybe I, I send a, a link to, you know, the IUCN saying that global adoption or many more examples of organizations. And I say, you could be next. Nice. It's, it's an invitation. It really is an invitation. You know, we're not forcing anyone. But if you do do it, it's going to look not only better on you, but for the world, it, it will be a better reason to do it. That's one thing. But another thing is kind of tracking the changes of the use of the word for presentation purposes. And I do that tracking the use of the word funga in social media, right? Which also, it takes a lot of advanced search to weed out most examples that are not relevant at all. Like funga means "close" in Swahili. People in arguments in Swahili saying to each other, shut up. Uh, funga... I don't know the name, but they always say that. So I have to, okay, minus Swahili language. And then I have to put in, in, and then it's, okay, Swahili's gone. But now in Italian, in one conjugation of the word fungir, is also to like open. So I have to
0: keep <laughs> narrowing it
1: down, <laughs> weeding, going through the weeds until I find people actually using fauna flora funga or funga without needing to use fauna fung- flora.
0: So you're, you're approaching this from so many different angles. Yeah. And I can imagine you're quite busy because there's there's a lot of work to be done (laughs) all over the world, multiple languages. If I was an organization and you found my website Mm. and you wanted to reach out to me, I know this is hugely context dependent. But what would you say to convince me to use Funga?
1: Yeah, well, I always start the email just pretty much thinking that they even have flora and fauna because that's a big step two it's not like many countries even have anything about environment. so if they have that like thank you for having that too and then i mentioned fungi are distinct they have so and so benefits both ecosystem services and for humans i actually don't talk about the fauna flora fungi initiative that much i found that that doesn't help that much if i say look i'm part of the fauna flora fungi initiative like they don't care about that specific they care about and so do i who care about that speaking for the fungi so like I said, it's very context-dependent, and that usually helps. Just a few lines, a very easy action item, call to call to action. Look, this part in your website, I noticed this page and this page, and I link it out, if you could change this here and here. And then once we get that, again, context-dependent, if it's like, for instance, if it's for an organization that has branches all over the world, I might target just one small little branch, one random country that I don't know much with, but I saw that they use that term, That, that, that there's a very easy in. I try to send it to them in their own language and screenshot and make it easy. And if they change it, it just sets a precedent for the rest of the branches. And then from that, I could email a different branch saying, hey, look, what about that branch? That branch does it. Don't you want to do it too? And it kind of builds on itself, strategizing it.
0: One organization at a time, you're going to get us all adding a third f yeah, slowly. <laughs> slowly but surely yeah, one okay. step at a time What what is the future for fungi what would you like to see happen like where should it be recognized mm-hmm. just for to
1: for people mostly it starts with individuals you know just when when you're referencing anything biodiversity or anything because that's another place it's not just i see fauna flora and i have to put funga, but in some organizations even major ones they're def- even in laws like like global regulations when they're defining biodiversity like I said they just say animals and plants and it's just kind of an insult at that point like forget fungi just add fungi or add and other macroorganisms or something else to realize that it's not just animals and plants you know before I joined the fungi foundation I really didn't realize how prevalent I'm not gonna say anti-fungi mentalities but just how prevalent it is for just complete disregard and neg- neglection of the entire kingdom so ideally people just use it more and write about it, tweet about it, make songs about fungi, everything. One thing I am doing is going through many Wikipedia articles and changing it. When, when I see the Wikipedia, it says the flora of this area, but it's talking about different mushrooms in that area. I just changed the category flora and fungi. Almost all of them are approved, but actually, I'm gonna call this one out. But like I did it for the fauna and flora of England. I changed the Wikipedia article and I guess there was just way more editors on that. So they changed it back saying, oh, this term is not that very commonly used. Don't don't write that.
0: Will uh, you go back? I think I will now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I them. Go
0: back and try and change it again.
1: Yeah. So that's, that's, for instance, from institution. There's just many different ways, but also we try to reach out to museums. That's another big part of the FFF initiative is try to get more fungi exhibits in museums. In museums and also on their digital material. And for that, I could reach out to to top museums in each state if I'm focused in the U.S. But then there's like museum associations have already a network of museums. So I reached out to them individually and universities and Twitter and social media is a big one. So if you look at social media now to see different trends of how the term is used for our own presentation purposes. This initiative really started or the term started in 2018 when it really started to be used And it's just cool how it's changing, it's way higher frequency now, more people are using it, but the context is changing too. So in the beginning, in 2018, 2019, in 2020, every mention of funga in the context of fauna flora was about the initiative. And that's not the goal, the goal is not to spread the fauna flora funga initiative, the goal is to spread the word funga, you know? Ideally, I mean, people would forget about the initiative and it's a real thing. The initiative is just this transitional period. And so now, if you go on it, many more people are using the term fanga in just regular context. Uh, They're just mentioning fanga, no no view of the initiative or anything. And that makes me happy. Like the less it's talked about the initiative and the more it's talked about the actual word itself means that we're doing a good job. And the initiative was really led in, you know, English, Spanish and Portuguese. But now I just see it in so many different languages. Like I said, Turkish and Japanese, sometimes I see mentions of it. And it's just really interesting to see how people are using it.
0: So your, your dream is for fungi to, and fungi to just be included yeah. in culture at every level. At every single level. At every level.
1: Because that culture, language creates reality. Policymakers are part of culture. They're not just these beings, aliens that don't live on earth. I mean, for all we know, we could do something with music fungi and the decision maker, policymakers, the prime minister's son's favorite song turns out to be that. He's listening it in his house. He's going to subconsciously add it. you know, culture is where it's coming from.
0: You're clearly passionate about this project and it's and it's great because that passion is infectious and you've got me you know, in my spare time I'm I'm gonna go hit up Wikipedia <laughs> Like, hi <laughs> No, I'm kidding, I won't trade on your turf. <laughs> <laughs> please
1: do. That, that's actually please do because it's way too much work for one person. Yeah. So if you do see an example and I really like something that really makes me happy is on Twitter when when I search in fauna flora funga, a lot of them are actually replies to people saying fauna and flora and then random people it could be mycologists or other people who've heard it like hey correct term is funga people i have never messaged i don't know who they are they may even have like 30 followers and then they're correcting someone i'm like
0: yeah. well one of my closing questions for you was going to be how can people get involved mm. so i guess that's one of the ways right yeah. is is for us to just keep having conversations yeah. as individuals yeah. as people who are posting on social media you know and
1: I, sorry, I do want to reiterate real quick that the true, like, final, final end goal of the Fauna Flora Fungi Initiative is for fungi to be included in, like I said, not just the term, but just the, the concept of fungi, kingdom, to be included in policy and regulation and legislation. But it's so abstract that we're going at it from so many angles that the easiest thing for an individual to, is to include it in the culture, with the hopes that it gets into that legislation at the end.
0: Absolutely. And if individuals would like to get involved with you and your work or Fungi Foundation, is that an option?
1: Yeah, right now I have uh, one volunteer helping me out, um, but I'm always open. I, I, I try to keep very clear methodologies of what I do so it scales up. I, I, I try to think it in a very like scaling mindset of how it's done. Um, so I say like how-to guides and I'm working on some infographics on how you can help, maybe the difference what fungi and fungi are. And yeah, reaching out, sometimes we get emails from people who notice that there's open calls in their regional laws or policies. You know? We get from all over the world saying, hey, there's currently a call from citizens to change the US National Forest System's management plans. And that's an open call for everyone. So they send it to us and we collaborate, how can we add fungi acknowledgement in that? So that's something, if, that, if someone emails that, usually gets forwarded to me or one other person and we kind of discuss how we could strategize about that
0: where can people find you online
1: ffungi.org fungi.org so ffungi.org you could email me through finding my email at the team page and yeah and we also have a huge following on social media what well, helps and there's some posts about fungo there
0: Marius, thank you for sharing those contact details. And thank you again for coming to chat with me. We are sitting under these beautiful trees. It's a sunny day. There's a gentle breeze. Lots and lots of mycophiles are coming back from forays in the forest. It's just a lovely, pleasant day. And I'm really grateful that you spent some of your time at All Things Fungi Festival with me today. So thank you so much. Is there anything that you'd like to share as a closing statement about adding a third F?
1: Well, before adding a third F, just generally about the fungi industry or the whole domain, conservation, festival, everything, I found that fungi people are, like, the nicest people there are, the most inclusive in every way, and it should not intimidate anyone getting into the fungi industry, again, in quotations. I found, like, especially relatively to engineering, it's just very open for everyone to try anything they want. But for the three Fs, yeah, It starts with you as an individual. Use it as much as you can. And if you personally have connections, then forget me. Don't outreach to me. Just go directly. Tell them to add more mycologically inclusive language. And if you're a decision maker, then decide.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love that. This episode includes a blog post on runningwithmushrooms.com with some analysis of what we learned together today, including any big themes, concepts, or tensions that have come up, and how these ideas build on what the research is uncovering as the tour continues. You'll find links to that in the show notes, as well as info on how to reach out and support the podcast. I hope that you're inspired to geek out about mushrooms with me, and thank you so much for joining the Mushroom Tour.